Episode 140 of the Biv and James R Show, The Healthy High Performer. Radio team, welcome along to episode 140 of the Biv and James. I'll show you a fortnightly podcast on the behaviors that create a lifetime love of fitness so that you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Uh, welcome along to this episode. Uh, normally, what I do in this podcast is I have a Bevan show where I kind of just share some thoughts on a subject and then I do an interview show. But this week, I'm actually just doing another Bevan show because I did a Bevan show last time. Uh, normally, this would be the interview show, but today I'm actually doing another Bevan show. And uh, the show I'm going to do today, is, I thought I'd done a show on this in the past. And I'm fingers crossed that I haven't because I've been talking to someone about the concept that I'm going to introduce today in uh, the other day. And they said to me, have you done a podcast? And I said, yeah, I'm pretty sure I have. So then I went back and tried to find the podcast on the subject and it doesn't seem that I've done it. So uh, if I have, I apologize, but I don't think I necessarily have. And if I have, well, you know, maybe it's another way to deeply reflect upon what I did in the past. Uh, I do actually want to take a step back to the last episode I did. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to the last episode I did, I'd say go back and listen to that one first. But one of the, the whole premise of the last episode was based around this whole idea of who gets the worst version of you. Who gets the worst version of you? And uh, I've had a lot of feedback on it, to be honest. I, um, it was obviously the kind of show that, you know, you know. let's be honest, the title of the show was The Hardest Question to Confront. Um, and uh, it's one of those questions that makes you have to confront in really tough ways. And so as I kind of did this, uh, you know, I got a lot of feedback people saying, you know, this this podcast was a real eye-opener for me, made me reflect upon my life uh, and some of the big decisions that I have to make, and maybe just reflect on how I had to go. And as I was kind of reflecting upon that show myself, one thing I didn't talk about on that show was what if the person who gets the worst version of you is you? So if you haven't listened to the, to the last episode, the concept was based around that question, who gets the worst version of you? And obviously I was kind of meaning the external people in your life. Is it your partner? Is it your children? Is it is it meant to be the friends that are meant to be your friends? Is it your workmates? You know, and, and what version would you want of yourself to be given to those people? And it was very much kind of, um, probably the, the premise of it was how are you prioritizing your life and how is that reflected in what you give to those people who are meant to maybe be important in your life uh, and so it, it, there was lots of value in it but as I was kind of sitting on the, some of the feedback I got I and also I was, I was coaching a runner the other night I was coaching this runner in my beginner group and she was saying she's working really hard because she's always her worst enemy she always kind of beats herself up on her journey it is something I see a lot when I deal with total beginner exercises and so it kind of made me think of that kind of that question in regards to an individual and that question of who gets the worst version of you is an interesting question when we reflect upon the external people in your life but if you look at it and you say to yourself the person who gets the worst version of me is myself. Well, that's a pretty confronting moment as well, isn't it? 
like the the person who gets the worst version of you and and, and it's actually to be honest it's, uh, the reason I am reflecting upon this is, is because of this runner I was talking to and she said to me you know and I've said this before and I'm sure you've said this before um she said to me I would never treat anybody how I treat myself I would never treat anybody how I treat myself and uh yeah it was you know again she gets the worst version of her and I'm not going to go too much detail because it's not really the main concept of today's show, but um, it's just, it's such an interesting thing to think about, isn't it? What if the answer is you? When you think of that question, who gets the worst version of you, what is the answer is you? And maybe what I'll, I'll if, if you're listening to this right now and you know, you're going, Bev, you're talking to me. Bev, it's, it's me who gets the worst version of me. Maybe go back and listen to episode 139, the, the hardest question to confront. And, you know, because what I did in that show is I kind of just threw lots of challenging questions at, at you, didn't I? Maybe go back to it with those questions in mind and answer all the follow-up questions that I had in regards to you. Because I think there's some real value in this. And, and I think that ultimately if the answer is who gets the worst version of you and it is you, I think the answer is that's, that's a massive work on error in your life. I've learned through my own experience and helping, you know, thousands of people in my years in fitness and, you know, in behavior change, um, that when you can let people f- be happy with themselves and be kinder to themselves and be fear and realistic for themselves, they lead a much healthier life. So if this is you and you know you are that person who wouldn't treat anybody else how you treat yourself internally, well, this is a pretty important area of your life. This is definitely something you need to be working on. So, you know, think about that as you kind of um, go through this. So that's kind of just something to think about is before I get into the main part of today's show. The other thing I wanted to talk about is, um, I'm a real, I, I love this kind of how do you keep people motivated. And, and I've got my running business. And recently we had a group called uh, Epic, which I think I talked about on this podcast, and it's a hard, 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 hard half marathon where people absolutely just kind of kill themselves in this half marathon. And um, and then a lot of these same people come along and do our next training program, which is for another half marathon, which to be honest, the next half marathon's not as hard. But when I say that, it's not designed in as hard way. Like the race they've just done, it's a very hilly race that's kind of there's no way to take it easy if you get what I mean. Whereas the next race, if you run it, if you run it challengingly, it's hard, but you can kind of plot along. But the people who have just come off this peak moment in this really challenging race. Often it's a really interesting moment watching them now because the next challenge that they have in front of them is maybe not as as I'm just trying to think of the best way to put this. It's not as Externally challenging. It's not as externally challenging. What do I mean? Well, when we think of the race I've just completed, it's a half marathon. They they run, you know, probably around 800 meters of climbing in this race, something like that, maybe 600 meters of climbing in this race. A very, very hard half marathon. Um, So there's no real easy option in this half marathon. There isn't. And then they come off this, and the next challenge is the race itself isn't as hard. And so often what we find when people have come off this goal moment of a very challenging moment is that the next period of training they go into is 
kind of a little bit dissatisfying because they don't have that challenge in front of them. They don't, you know, that the next race isn't as hard. And so because it isn't as hard, a few things start to happen. They don't respect their training as much. You know, one of the things I love watching people who we take from doing absolutely nothing to running a half marathon is I love watching their progress and seeing how being afraid of the goal makes them respect the race or the challenge. And what do I mean by that? Well, when you have a challenge that's the right challenge for your level, but it's a little bit scary, you make sure you tick every box to make sure you're successful. Like think about yourself, think about in your life when you've chosen some kind of challenge, it might be a a running race, it might be an event, it might be uh, an academic thing, it might be just, you know, something that you really had to challenge yourself with. And I imagine if it was the right challenge at the right level, that you kind of did everything you possibly could to, to make sure you're successful. And it's partly because the fear of failure drives you to be successful, you know, to do the work. But then once you've done that goal, so let's say it was a 5K run, then once you run 5Ks and you know you can run 5Ks, the next time you do it, what tends to happen is there tends to be a slip in the level of work that you do to achieve that goal. So now I know I can run 5Ks, I'm going to run it again. So now suddenly, you know, you might miss your training session or you might not, hit the objectives or suddenly sleep patterns get out or suddenly you're not eating as well or suddenly you're just not training as hard so there's a slip in the level of focus that you brought to achieving that goal now what happens in this moment which is really interesting is that you get a bit dissatisfied with the experience so the first time you ran 5k's you know it was so kind of scary you did everything that you needed to do And while it was challenging, it was also ultimately really rewarding that you felt kind of, wow, this is absolutely phenomenal. And then the second time, A, you don't have the scary goal, and B, there's a slippage in behavior, which ultimately leads to C, is the experience isn't quite as satisfying. And as I look at what, what's happening with my runners right now, and, and I'm not seeing this, I'm not seeing the, the satisfaction, but I, what I am trying to do as a coach is to make sure they understand that for them to A, progress as an athlete, but B, more importantly, still get the satisfaction and the reward and uh, the love that comes from chasing a challenge, is that they need to make sure that they are still ticking all the boxes that create success particularly in this moment because the challenge doesn't require as much from them. So it's very much more a a self-responsibility that I need to bring to this challenge. And if we can keep people in this place, particularly as they come off that higher high, if we can keep them in this place, they can still get massive satisfaction and massive reward and growth from their experience. So my kind of second little key point before we start the main gist of today's show is that when you come off a goal period, where you have been challenged because of the level of the goal, and maybe when you find the next goal, maybe it isn't as challenging, make sure you don't let your levels slip. If anything, in that moment, you want to kind of prioritize your levels to go to a next step. Because then, even though the goal, the the completion point at the end of it isn't as high, you can still get all of the satisfaction and all of the kind of rewards that you got from the previous goal. So just something to think about there. It's just I've just been thinking about this a lot of my runners right now. How do I make sure, particularly in the first couple of weeks, that they are 
doing decisions in a way that's going to give them the satisfaction, the motivation, and, and ultimately the results that they desire. So there you go. Uh, I'm going to get into the main gist of the show really soon, but before I do, I want to talk about the patrons. And I actually do have a new patron uh, to the show this month, and oh, this fortnight, well, whatever it is. <laughs> and his name is David Samuel. And David Samuel is actually a man that I know who's... Um, um, he's he's a, a very intelligent man. Um, I love people who have high levels of intelligence, and when you kind of spend time with David, you realise he uh, has a high level of um, curiosity and understanding, and a very intelligent man. And I've seen some of the progress he's made in the last kind of eighteen months of his life, and um, as an athlete and as a person, and it's been really cool to see him grow so much. Um, and so it's quite cool. Just you know, I, I always respect people who. who see that they need to grow, but actually do the growing. And David's been doing that in some really, really powerful ways in the last period of time. So David, when I think about David, I thought to myself, well, I'm going to call him Triple S David Samuel, but the Triple S represents Smart Smasher, and then obviously Samuel. So Smart Smasher Samuel, or Triple S David Samuel. So again, when you become a patron of the Bevan James Oil Show, what you do is you contribute some of your hard-earned money to what I'm doing on the show and help me spread the kind of message that I spread on the show. Uh, but you also get your own cool nickname. And David Triple S, or Smart Smasher, David Samuel, uh, is a new patron of our show. So I'm also going to name a couple other patrons who are a part of the patronage of the show. And these include Denise, uh, oh, sorry, Nathan the Hurricane. Nathan, I don't have your last name, so let me know your last name. Uh, Mary Jane the Magic Mariko. We've got Katrina the Architect. We've got Kim Surging Further, Anderson Headley. And we've got Lana, the Queen of Change King. And she's traveling around the world right now. Um, living it up, man. I've been watching her on Instagram and she is traveling all around the world. It looks like she's having an absolute blast of the time. So uh, if you want to become a patron of my show, just go to bevanjamesisles.com. It's all very clear on the website. Just click on the Patreon page. And basically every time I release a show, you contribute a little bit of your hard-earned money towards what I'm doing. Anyway, I'm going to get into the main gist of today's show. I'll put on some music and let's get into it. When I, when I do public speaking, if you go back to the last episode and you listen to the other last episode, I talked about the power of questions, you know, the power of um, questions. And when you do public speaking, or at least when I do public speaking, one of the things I try to do at times is try to to get the to see if the audience agree on something. Well, not maybe if the audience agrees. Not so much that is to to help people realize something through the use of a question. And one of the questions I use uh, in a particular talk that I do is, "Put your hand up if you lead a busy life." Put your hand up if you lead a busy life. And pretty much in today's world. 99% of the people who, who attend a talk will end up putting up their hand because they lead a busy life. Right right now, if I ask you right now, do you think your life is busy? Well, the answer, I imagine for a lot of people out there right now, the answer is yes, and, and obviously not everybody, but for a lot of people, the answer is yes. You, maybe you're in your office right now, you've got your hand up, and people are going, what, what are you doing? <laughs> or maybe you're out for a run, you got your hand up, put your hand up, and again, people will just think, what, what are you doing? And just say, that's just Bev, I'm just I'm helping Bev out here, right here. So, um, 
Then, then the next thing I ask, and this is probably the more important question, and it's kind of the question that you don't, I don't expect them to answer back, so I don't necessarily look for that visual reference of putting your hand up, but I'm just going to say, and what's the first thing that gets dropped when you get busy? What's the first thing that gets dropped when you get busy? Now, this isn't, I'm not really looking for an answer back for my audience as I do this, but what I, what I'm, what I lead to is I say, everything that's good for you. What's the first thing that gets dropped when you get busy? The answer is everything that's good for you. And as a public speaker, one of the things you always try to see is, have I got my audience? And uh, so you spend a lot of time kind of just saying, have I captivated them? You know, have I got their eyes? Can I see emotion in their faces? Am I taking them on a journey? Um, and when I ask that question, so who's busy? Hands up. And what's the first thing that gets dropped when you get busy? And the answer is everything that's good for you. Everyone nods their head. Like everybody nods their head. It really blows my mind away. Everybody in the room nods their head and you kind of get this kind of, there's a noise which is an agreeance noise. It's not necessarily yes, but it's just that you're, you're so right. And you can kind of, then in my talks, and today's kind of based around a talk that I do called Healthy High Performer. Uh, so then in my talk, what I'll do is I kind of say, you know, well, when you get busy, what happens to your dietary habits? You know, when we think about dietary habits, I guarantee when you're eating well, you are planning well around nutrition. I guarantee it. There's two things. You've either got a really good routine around nutrition so like for me, every day I stop and make my lunch and I pretty much have a really good routine around nutrition because I just have the same thing every day. So there's not much thought that goes into it, but the routine's very much set in place. I never overeat. I tend to make healthy choices. It's kind of how I spend my that time of my day. So it's either you have a very good routine or you plan. Uh, I imagine when you eat healthy at work, you've planned your lunch. I imagine when you eat healthy at home, you probably planned your meals at night. You know, so when we look at nutrition, the key to success with nutrition is great planning and good routine. So then, when you get busy, what happens to nutrition? Well, when you get busy, that planning kind of stops, doesn't it? So suddenly when you get busy, um, you don't make your lunch in the morning because you've got to get up early and get to work earlier. So then... You don't have healthy options when you come to lunchtime. So you quickly walk down to the care for whatever's around you and you tend to buy poor food choices. So it might be instead of buying, you know, the, the healthy salad that you take to work, you end up buying, I don't know, a cake and whatever. You, you just make poorer choices. And let's be honest, when we tend to buy food on the go, we tend to buy portion sizes that are bigger than what we'd normally eat. So the, the, the food we're going to put in our mouth is not as nutritious as what the choices we would have made when we made our own lunches. And the volume's probably a bit as well. And, and let's be honest, because those environments that we tend to buy food from are built with a little bit of temptation in there, we may make choices around temptation which are a little bit weaker as well. So we may kind of buy a chocolate bar as we're in that moment as well. So when I'm busy, suddenly my planning around food leads to me eating more and poorer choices of food. Or it might be when I get home from late like from work at home, uh, a late day at work, then when I get home, you know, I haven't planned my, my dinners for the week, so then suddenly Uber Eats becomes a really appealing thing, or getting takeaway on the way home. And, and again, it's the same kind of thing. The poorer foods, more than you need, and probably a bit of temptation in there. 
When you get busy, what happens to your sleeping patterns? This is a really interesting one. A lot of people, when they get busy, they work more. So they might, let's say you've got a family. I'm just kind of putting a scenario in front of you here. So uh, when you've got a family, you know, you might come home after work. You might have worked a little bit later. So instead of getting home at 5, you get home at 6.30. And, you, and you're, you know, you care about your family. So spend a, you know, an hour and a half with your kids and your wife or your husband. Um, and then once they all go to bed, you, you stay up later. So you go back and you do a couple of hours work because you're so far behind on work. And instead of going to bed at maybe 10 o'clock and getting a good seven or eight hours sleep, suddenly you're going to bed at 11.30. And it's not just that you're going to bed later, because you haven't unwound at the end of the day, you also can't go to sleep that well. So you kind of lie in bed at 11.30 and it probably takes you an hour to get to sleep. So when we get busy, we tend to sleep less and we tend to sleep with less quality sleep. And then also, if we think of the flow-on effect, and we know the, the cost of sleep, it's a very topical subject nowadays, when the next day, how do you feel when you've you know, only got four or five hours sleep instead of the seven and eight that you normally need? So then the next day, you're a little bit more stressed, a little bit more weaker in your decision-making process. When you get busy, what happens to your stress? This is really interesting. Here's another way to put it. When you get busy, what happens to your connection to the people in your life? And we kind of go back to the podcast I was talking about last week with that who gets the worst version of yourself. What version of yourself gets to do the people in your life who are really important to you get when you're really busy? Because when you're really busy, if you're not eating well and you're not sleeping well, I imagine you're kind of stressed. And so... When you're stressed, what are the people, what version of yourself do the people in your life get? Do they get a snappy person? Do they get someone who's withdrawn? Do, do you find people saying, what's wrong with you? Do, do, do you? Are you having kind of, you know, you know, sometimes you have arguments with someone, but there's not, it's never said, you know, you're kind of telling your stories about what they don't understand and what, what they don't do and they don't see what I do and all this. So you, you take yourself into the story about how unfair things are and how stressful it is. You know, go back to that sleep thing. You know, to me, a lot of anxiety and stress is this kind of idea of a tape replaying in my head. It might be a work thing that I just can't let go of. Or a workmate who I feel has treated me unfairly or the, or the deadline that I have. So I'm, I'm just rewinding this kind of stressful story over and over Play it, rewind it, play it, rewind it. When I get stressed or when you get busy, what happens to your exercise routine? What happens to your exercise routine? Suddenly, you know, you might have a good routine where you do somewhere between three to six hours exercise a week and it's a good mix of everything you do. But suddenly when you get busy, you were meant to go for a run after work today, but suddenly it's like, oh, I've got to work longer. That can, that will have to happen tomorrow. But then tomorrow, you're busy as well. So it doesn't happen tomorrow as well. And when you get busy, suddenly exercise falls away from your life. What about your hobbies? Like like for me, it's piano. I love playing piano. That's my hobby. You know, I'm sure you have hobbies. Or if you don't, maybe it's time to start some hobbies. But, you know, uh, what about hobbies? When you get busy, do they get pushed down the ladder and never end up happening? What 
about your friends? Like I talked about relationships before, but what about, you know, it's kind of more your your key kind of maybe the, the partner that you have or something like that. But what about just spending time with your friends? When you get busy, what happens to that time? Now, when you think about all the answers that I all these kind of areas that I talked about right there, I talked about what I talked about, I talked about your stress, your sleep, your nutrition, your connections, your hobbies, all of these things ultimately come at a sacrifice when you're busy. And if you put your hand up when I asked you, are you busy? Well, what kind of life are you creating? What kind of life are you creating? If I lead a busy life, and busyness means I compromise things that actually keep me in a healthy place. What's what's that going to be five years from now? What's that going to be ten years from now? Recently, I was speaking to a lady who years ago had an amazing exercise routine, like a really good exerciser. You know, like you know, almost like twice a day, pretty much every day, maybe or, or once a day at least every day. And, and it was a real big part of her identity, a real big part of how she felt about herself, her social, just. So many great things came from this. And then work got busy and it slipped away. And now it's been like four or five years since they've had exercise in their life. And suddenly it's like they don't even know how to get back to exercise. You know, they, they long for that earlier version of themselves, but they don't have it. So my concern is that ultimately when we get busy, we drop everything that keeps us healthy. Because if, if, if I ask you right now, if you were sleeping well, if you were planning nutrition well, and which obviously reflected and then which led to better eating, if you maintained healthy relationships both within your friends and your loved ones, um, if you slept well, if you maintained a level of hobby in your life, do you think you would have a better life? Now, I know this is a stupid question because the answer is obviously yes. But why, so, so why do we allow our health to be compromised when we get busy? Now, with this in mind, this, this, this is almost a problem because it's, well, actually, just before I move on, ultimately what happens when we compromise all of those areas when we get busy is we feel we're losing ourselves. We feel we are losing ourselves. You know, like it's that person I was talking about before. When she was exercising, had that good routine, there was a sense of me, I'm being me, I'm looking after me, it's good for me, I'm healthy. Now it's like, where am I? And a lot of people who have busy lives who ultimately compromise those things that give them a sense of self wake up and, and kind of think, what's all this for? Who am I in this? Now kind of moving on to the next step that I was going to go towards here. If it's, it, it kind of makes sense, isn't it? It's kind of logical as we think about this. Well, maybe not logical, but more like it makes sense that a lot of people listening to this right now, it might be you or it might be someone you know, that when things get busy, your health gets put way down. And, and health is kind of those activities I just talked about. There. So when I talk about health, you know, we, we probably agreed that if you are sleeping, planning food, 
good relationships, bit of exercise, you know, all those things, some good hobbies, that you're going to be in a much healthier place as a person. You know, look at, you know, Christchurch recently with the earthquakes and you know, a lot of the messaging, they had billboards around the city about looking after your health and it was kind of all those things. Like it's, it makes sense. And, and I don't think anyone listening to this kind of disagrees with what that is. So, um, so we can agree that that's health and then we can agree that we understand that we should prioritise health at this time but ultimately we don't. Ultimately we don't. And so when I thought about this, when I designed the talk that kind of led to today's conversation, I knew, that, like when you do public speaking, often you're doing it to a lot of business people. You know, a lot of my audiences are business prouds. Um, and, you know, you, you're kind of trying to think about what's the motivator for them. You know, like if I'm, if I'm speaking to a high-end business crowd, well, a business is tough. You know, if you're, let's say, you're a small business owner, small business ownership is tough. I know I own a small business. You know, like it, it can be a very challenging thing. There's a lot of, there can be a lot of stress. Um, one thing that happens when you own your own business, at least in the first period, is there's not a lot of security. You know, one of the nice things about having a job um, is that you kind of know that if I turn up and do my forty hours, I'm going to get so much money. For a lot of small business owners, they don't know that. So it's, you know, when we talk about not prioritizing health, you can kind of, you can see why it happens. You know, that if you've got a small business and it's not looking like it's doing that well this week, but if you can put a few more hours of work in that, and that can seem like it's going to help, you're going to put a few more hours of work in, aren't you? So as I, as I kind of thought about this subject of how do we keep health higher up the ladder of priorities, for people when they get busy, I had to really think about what's the motivator. What's the motivator that's going to, if I can go to an audience of business people and do a talk around health and, you know, like, and say, hey, you guys need to prioritize this. Well, they're going to say, yeah, but you don't understand. You know, of course I have to, you know, I know I should be doing exercise. I know I should be planning my food, but I've got a business to run here. And that's when I kind of came up with this concept of the healthy high performer. And what is a healthy high performer? Well, I want to share an experience I had with uh, a client recently. So a client of mine, um, I, I introduced this concept of a healthy high performer. And what is a healthy high performer? Well, basically what a healthy high performer is, is that my, my mindset becomes that in my busiest times, the thing I prioritize first is my healthy behaviors. In my busiest times, the thing I prioritize first is my healthy behaviors. So, if I see my life getting busier, I'm going to prioritize my sleeping habits. I'm going to prioritize some exercise. I'm going to prioritize, for me, it's going to be meditation, piano. I'm going to prioritize quality time with Joe and trying to get some of my friend time in. You know, these are the things I'm going to prioritize my food planning. These are the things I'm going to put first. When I see the train in front of me is getting pretty full on. Now, one thing I, I, I will put in context here is that in our really busy times, those levels will be lower. Okay, so in those really busy times, like, you know, I on a good day, I'll play piano for an hour and a half. On a really busy time, that ain't happening. In a really busy time, I might get 20 to 30 minutes on the piano. Okay, so there are, you know, you have to be realistic around levels. But the most important thing a healthy high performer does is in their really busy times, they prioritize health first. 
So they look at their day, or they look at their week, and they go, where am I going to put my healthy behaviors in first? So, and this is something I've done for a while, and I find it really valuable. So if I see I've got a really crazy busy period up, as I do my weekly meeting, my daily kind of meeting with myself, I play myself, okay, when am I going to do this? When am I going to meditate? When am I going to stop and eat? What needs to happen around eating? When am I going to get my exercise and so on and so on? So going, so going back to my client that I was working with a few weeks ago, so I'd introduced this whole idea of becoming a healthy high performer. This client was your traditional person who owns their own business, um, you know, busy life, as I kind of talked about, and, you know, everything that comes with owning your own business. Um, and we talked a lot about this whole idea of, I want you to spend the next couple of weeks before we catch up again, prioritizing your healthy high performer behaviors first every day. Okay, so this is the conversation. And we, and we spent a bit of time identifying what they were for this person. And we said, okay, here's what they're going to be. Here's what you need to do is every day for the next couple of weeks, the first thing you need to do is go, how am I going to slot these in? Based on level. So like I said before, if, it, if it's a busy day, you might not do um, as long or as many. But you've got to make sure you get probably a good three to four healthy high behaviors in every day. So we went away and I kind of went away and I caught up a couple of weeks later. Now, when we caught up a couple of weeks later, a really fascinating thing happened. This client came back to me and uh, they said to me, Bevan, in the last two weeks, I have had 25% of my yearly sales for my business. In the last two weeks, I've had 25% of my yearly sales for my business. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine any job, and obviously sales is a part of their job, um, getting loaded with 25% of a year's work in a two-week period? Like, that is, I can't even imagine how ridiculous it must have been for this person. Like, uh, that is, that's busy to the busiest degree, isn't it? You know, that's unbelievable. So, once I heard this from my client, I kind of expected the next sentence to be, so I haven't had time to do my healthy high-performer behaviors. And, and in fairness, we were trying to introduce a new tool into their life. And so I kind of, it's you know, like I, I, would, I would have been forgiven, forgiving when I were to hear that from this person. I would have been, you know what, it was probably a hard time to start this process. I still want you to do it. Um, but let's be honest, 25% two weeks is, is just ridiculous. So... You know, we'll let you off the hook, but let's kind of make sure you, you get onto it in this next period because you, you know, fingers crossed it doesn't happen that you get 25% of sales in the next two weeks. But that didn't happen. My client turned around and they said, and I did my healthy high-performing behaviors. I did my healthy high-performing behaviors. So in a two-week period where they had 25% of the yearly sales, they actually looked at each day and did what we'd set out for them to do. When am I going to put my healthier, high-performer tools in place each day? And I'm going to prioritize that number one, and then everything else will have to work around this. Which takes some guts, let's be honest. That takes some guts because most of us are going to think, I need to work harder in a time where I'm that much under the pump. So especially for a new, like if you've done it for a long time, it's different because you kind of learned the lesson. But if it's in that moment, it, I was really proud of this client because it took some guts to go, no, I'm still going to stick to the plan that Bev and I had worked out. Now, as the conversation went on, it was a mind-blowing reinforcement of why being a healthy high performer is so powerful. 
So the first thing that I kind of talked to my client about was what normally happens in a time like this when you get 25% of a year sales in two weeks? What normally happens? And she said, well, I would be highly strung out, highly stressed, you know, like it's, um, again, it's 24-7. Um, I wouldn't be able to relax, so, you know, like highly strung out, I, I, I couldn't sleep. Um, also, I, I wouldn't feel I was doing good work. So I'd get, literally like I've got a straw above the water, my head's not even above the water, I've got a straw and I'm just breathing because, uh, you know, I've got so much work on and I wouldn't be very proud of my work because it was just, it was kind of the attitude of just get it done, just survive. Um, I would be disconnected from my world, so maybe my husband or my my partner, um, I'd be disconnected from, I wouldn't have caught up my friends. So there's this kind of isolation that would have happened in this time. Uh, and this is, a, this is a really interesting one. I would have felt like I was losing myself. So traditionally a time of massive load, that was the cost of that time. So when we think about it, ultimately that time came at a massive cost, didn't it? You know, disconnected, I was stressed, I was unhealthy, I hadn't eaten well, I was disconnected. You know, that, that two-week period, while for a business, came as a massive benefit, 25% of your sales is a good place to be for a business, came at a massive personal cost. So that's traditionally what my client would have had. And I said, well, so what was different when you prioritize your healthy, high-performing behaviors first this time? How is it different to that? And when we talk about contrast, it was a massive contrast. She said, first of all, um, I wasn't stressed. I wasn't stressed at all. I, there was a sense of confidence that came in me because I, I felt I was on top of it, which is really interesting because it's the same workload. She said also, um, I, the, my quality of work was really high standard. Like there was a sense of confidence and proud or pride that came through this because the work that they would do, she was doing, was kind of a really high level. Um, she said, "I felt happier. I felt happy through this time." And ultimately, if you know, in the old way of doing, it, she felt like she lost herself. It was a reinforcing experience that built confidence in her ability about herself. So in a time where traditionally there was this massive cost, which ultimately made you feel you're losing yourself, by prioritizing her healthy, high-performing behaviors, she did better work, she built confidence in herself, she felt great about herself, and got an identity that came out the other side that was a really great identity, a really good self-affirming identity. Now you can see... The, the two different paths here, can't you? You can see the um, that if when she chose not to prioritize her health in her busiest times, ultimately, it came at a massive cost. And and if I go back to put your hand up if you were busy, it's most people are busy all the time. So what does that mean? What does that take you if you're always not doing your healthy high behaviors? And then, but the, the other side of this is by prioritizing her healthy high behaviors in this time, she did better work. She performed at a higher level. She was proud of herself and she was happy about the experience. And that's, that's, that's the key message here. 
And that's when I go back to when I'm speaking to an audience of business people, they know they should be doing their health. They know they should prioritize health, but they don't. And the argument is, it's better for your business if you do. Because what's important to them? Their business. That's that's the thing that motivates them probably the most in their life, is it to make their business successful, or at least one of the most important motivators in their life. Um, and so when I get up in front of this, you know, if I just said to you guys, you need to prioritize your health, they go, yeah, but you don't understand. But my, my real key point is actually you'll perform much better, not just in your health, but in the areas that are really important to you if you become a healthy high performer. Now, when I think about this, and, and hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure you can understand the concept right now. So there's a few things I want to throw at you. First of all, um, what's going to stop from you getting in the way of prioritizing your health in this time? And I'll give you an example. I remember another client I did a healthy high performer with, and they said, the problem is, I feel it's selfish to put myself first in these busy times. I feel it's wrong to go, you know what? I'm going to have to, I'm going to go for a run when I've got so much work on. I'm going to get out of the office and go for a run. Or I'm going to go meditate. Or I'm going to, you know, not work late tonight and go to bed early. I feel it's selfish to put myself first. That's a real barrier. That's a real problem. Because it is not selfish. It's actually it's actually the best thing you can do for those around you. Because you perform higher, you deliver better standards. You know, if, you, if you're worried about your customers, well, it's better if you prioritize your healthy high performers. It's a no-brainer. It's, it's much better if you do that. Because you're going to perform better. They're going to get a better outcome. So it's not selfish. It's selfish for you not to put your health first. It's selfish for you not to put your health first. Because ultimately, when you don't put your health first... You're saying, I'm going to perform at a lower level. Another client I was talking to, um, they were talking about their wife, and they were saying how their wife feels really bad to go out and go to a dance class, which is a really good healthy outlet for their wife, because that means he has to look after the kids, and she feels guilt. And let's be honest, lots of mum have this kind of guilt around putting myself first. But to me, it's selfish if you don't go for a dance class. Now, if you're never looking after your kids, okay, well, let's sharpen up. But if your dance class is that one or two th- one or two moments in your week where you get to do something for you that makes you feel healthy, and if you don't do it, your kids get a worse version of yourself. Well, not putting your health first is you being selfish. If you want to perform for your customers, your your loved ones, yourself, it's selfish not to put your health first because I guarantee that if you do your world is going to get a much better version of yourself in, in all ways possible, practically, emotionally, and outcomes. So when we think about, so so as I kind of wrap up and take this a little bit further, the first thing is, what is a healthy high performer? A healthy high performer says, I know my healthy behaviours, and I'll prioritise these at all times, but even more so when I get busy. I will maybe compromise time frames, so I might not go for an hour and a half run, I might do a 30 minute run, so they might lessen at my most busiest times, but I'm still going to prioritize those first. When I do this, I know I perform at a higher level, so myself and my world gets a better version of me and gets better outcomes. The thing to think about for yourself as you're listening to this right now is, what are some of the barriers that are going to stop you from doing this? So like that perspective of, it's selfish for me to have this time. 
And then how do I develop this? Because if you have a history of always compromising self, well, this is a real area to work on, isn't it? It's a real area for you to to spend some time developing, okay, I'm getting busy this week, what do I need to make sure I do to prioritize my health during this week? So it's it's a skill that you're developing is something I'd really want to say within this. But if you could get to a point where you were a healthy high performer, where you prioritize your health at your highest peak times, do you think your life would be better? That's an obvious answer, isn't it? So your job, if you're not already doing this, is to, to start it. You need to be doing this. It's a no-brainer. It, the benefits are huge. So my challenge to you, and if you know, I always wrap up with being the best version of yourself, if you want to be the best version of yourself and you're not prioritizing your health to be a healthy high performer, well, this is the project you need to be doing in your life right now. Because if you do this, man, and the rewards are huge. And imagine if you do this for a long period of time. You're not going to wake up 10 years from now overweight, lost, and don't know who you are. You're going to wake up being an evolved, higher level of yourself who's really proud of who you are. And to me, that's one of the benefits of being a healthy, high performer. Right, team. Hopefully, you got a lot from that. Um, yeah, do it. Just do it. It's just one of the most important lessons I've learned in my life that my job is to prioritize my health. And uh, I've been doing it for a long time, and there's a lot of benefits and benefits that I. The thing is, and going back to the, the client who kind of had the, the busy two weeks, is that experience is a really important experience for her because she learned, oh, it's much, it's much, this is the way to do it. And the more often she has those experiences, the less chance she'll, she'll compromise herself in those busy times. Because you just know it's a better way. Well, why would I do the other way? It's, it's just much better this way. So your, your job is to kind of build experiences that teach you this is a better way so that eventually you don't even really have to even work through it. You know, like I've been doing this for a long time. I, I, I never not compromise my healthy high behavior tools. So something to think about there. Um, that's pretty much today's show. I was going to get you guys to promote something for me, but I'm going to wait because I've got a couple of things I need to do to do that. So I, I talked about it in the last show. Um, I just recently did a talk to doctors, which I think I've talked about, but, um, and I put it on, I, I loosely put it on my Facebook page and, um, it's been shared like crazy, which is really cool, which shows the value of the talk, but I want to kind of do some other stuff before I really try to promote it. So, um, in the next couple of episodes, I'll maybe ask you to do me a favor and promote that talk, but not yet. Just hold off on that. Uh, just a couple of quick things. If you want to... Uh, support me in what I do you guys to become a patron of the show you can go to bevanjamesisles.com and it just gives a little bit of your hub earned money toward times sorry, sorry for every time I release a show if you want to email me it's bevanjames at gmail.com um, yeah um, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks of my life it's uh, heading into spring and uh, I do love spring I do love I don't mind weather I don't mind cold I don't mind hot I, I kind of weather's weather but I like light and in uh, dark days, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm down the dumps about it, but I do like it when you get to that time of year when the mornings are lighter and the nights are getting lighter, and it's just it's really such a special time of year. So, 
it's spring in New Zealand right now, and uh, it's a pretty cool time to be alive. So uh, you guys rock on. I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks' time. I'll get an interview lined up, and uh, keep rocking on and keep being who you are.